don't always be so worried about what people think of you and what you're doing. Really try to find your direction and stick with it and surround yourself with people that can help you make that happen. But if you put yourself out there, you're going to be a target for advice, for feedback, for thoughts around, well, you'll never be able to do that. And so I think just really find your fortitude and really surround yourself with an amazing community that can be champions for you. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. I'm super excited to have my next guest on. She's doing so many things I can't keep up. Uh, she actually has a really awesome uh, mission statement, uh, taking the status quo and transforming it to a more equitable, uh, feminist, corporately sound, and ecological sustainable uh, environment. I'm really happy to have Shelly on the podcast. Welcome, Shelly. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, yeah, let's dive right into it. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm I'm based here in Alberta, uh, in Calgary, most of the time. That's where my my uh, my kids, my grandkids are, and my mom and dad. So Calgary is still kind of home for me, um, and. Uh, you know, I kind of spend my time in a few areas. Um, I am an entrepreneur a few times over, and I can't seem to shake that. And uh, and then I've had the fortunate opportunity to to invest back in the community uh, that that really supported me. So I kind of spend my time between those two things as being an entrepreneur myself, and then uh, investing in in other entrepreneurs, and then. Um, I love nature. So as much as I can, I, I get out to nature. Oh. <laughs> I love to hear that. Yeah. I saw that you're a very avid traveler. So we could definitely get into that. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was a very avid traveler. <laughs> and <laughs> and then this whole thing happens. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's awesome. You mentioned that you just the entrepreneur that you, you can't seem to shake. You just have that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, one thing I always love to ask guests that come on the podcast is, have you always been an entrepreneur your whole life? Like, tell me how your childhood was growing up. Were you always the kind of kid selling lemonade or popsicles and all that stuff? Or like, how no, have I you? Wasn't. I don't think I was, but uh, I definitely grew up uh, in a house. Um, my dad liked to work. He was a hard worker. So I think um, I picked up his work ethic. Uh, absolutely. Uh but my parents were not entrepreneurial at all. But I think I always had a little bit of a streak in me that um, I knew I wasn't going to do what I was expected to do. Um, so I always kind of took a different path. Um, I was always maybe, you know, the odd one doing, you know, something different, not really trying to kind of, you know, fit in you know most of the time I didn't fit in so I think I was always yeah so I don't think I thought of myself as an entrepreneur but I think and if I kind of look back on it I think I had some of the characteristics that that work well for being an entrepreneur which is you know kind of finding your own way and doing your own thing so 
Absolutely. I'd love to jump in some of the uh, businesses you've built uh, so far. Uh, if you could walk us through maybe some of the things uh, you've done, the projects you've been a part of, the companies you've built, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, I had an opportunity to kind of grow up inside of an energy technology company in the 90s. And so that's where I really kind of learned what it took to build something. Um, I was not the founder. Um, I was not the entrepreneur. I was just a very invested uh, employee in the company. And so I would say that's where I kind of like got the bug, even though I wasn't the founder or the entrepreneur in that company. And then um, once that company sold, then my husband, my brother and I, we started a company um, with a kind of a, a bigger set of, of other founders and entrepreneurs we created it was kind of, you know, think about 1999, 2000. There's a lot of companies that were being created that weren't necessarily successful companies. Um, but we created a digital agency. And, um, you know, again, because it was, you know, the 2000s, um, I think there was lots of hype about what we were doing. You know, we were very confident of what we were doing, but um, it was a services company. And, uh, us as a team, I don't think we were necessarily satisfied with being a services company. So we had an opportunity to um, take that company um, and do a transaction that allowed us to become an IP company or an intellectual property company. So we vended in our company into um, uh, a company called Solium. Uh, which was based in Calgary. It was acquired by Morgan Stanley in 2019. So it was one of those overnight success stories. That's not an overnight success story. Um, that takes lots of um, sweat uh, to create. Uh, but we did that transaction. And then um, my husband stayed in that company longer term. I did not. And then I just started to do more things. So I created another agency. Uh, and it was a really cool agency. Uh, we were, it was oddly, we were a collection of women and we would work with startup entrepreneurs uh, in the Calgary uh, technology community. But what we would do is we would sometimes forego cash for equity in these companies, which turned out to be pretty cool in a couple of cases. So we had the opportunity to turn that, uh, that equity stake in these companies for some value. And again, just continued that investing process. So um and then just kind of kept going. So it could have been a services company or a tech company. Um, I had the opportunity to move to London for six years, which was really cool. I loved that. Um, I had the opportunity to work with companies all over Europe and the UK. Um, again, both in a tech company as well as a services company. I founded a company over there while I was there. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of kept doing that over and over again. I would find a different thing that I was really interested in. Um, but I would say up until the 51, I would say largely my interest was I loved working with big brands and helping them become innovators and for them to use community and open innovation to do really cool things. So I would say that that was kind of the majority of, of my career. So I had the opportunity to work with companies like Lego and Ikea and Unilever and Nike and Procter and Gamble and these big brands that were really trying to figure out how to harness their, their customers for value beyond as a customer. Um, so how can they generate ideas and insights and do innovation and co-creation? 
But then when I moved back to uh, Canada in 2018, I can't remember now. Um, then that's where uh, my mind started rolling on the 51. And so longtime friend of mine, Alice Reimer and I, we always dreamed about a company like 51. Uh, as women investors and entrepreneurs, we were always like, where are the women? There are none. And so the 51 was really designed to, to captivate women, to get them to participate in the innovation ecosystem as entrepreneurs and investors. So we've been on that journey since uh, 2019. Awesome. Yeah. One common theme I always find, or at least one common theme I notice about your story is that you have this um, nature of making impact, positive impact in the community. And I really love that. I love other entrepreneurs doing really great things in the community, um, really making that positive impact. And I also read that I did some stocking. <laughs> I also read that uh, you have four driving forces, um, fem finance, feminism, uh, investment, activism, participation in community, fashion, and sustainability. I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into that and what that means to you. Yeah. Um, well, my path as a, as a young person, when I was 18, I actually wanted to move to, yeah, to Amsterdam and become a fashion designer. That was my dream. I always wanted to do fashion. I didn't. Um, I did a very different path uh, based on some encouragement from my family. Um, so fashion was always in my kind of mind. I love fashion. Um, I was always a consumer of fashion and then, you know, having the opportunity to live in Europe, I was just, again, even more inspired by what the Europeans were creating from a fashion standpoint. But at the heart of it, I knew that, you know, my consumption wasn't sustainable. Uh, none of our consumption really is. So, um, I thought, you know, if I was ever to go into fashion, I needed to have kind of a vein of sustainability. Um, and so that was really important. And so been collaborating with um, other kind of partners on that fashion journey, um, looking at sustainable fabrics or textiles, you know, where's a clothes being made? Um, how can we drive transparency on that process? And then um, I've had the opportunity to build all of it on Shopify, which I think it's super cool because it's a Canadian company. And I just think, how cool is that, that I can set up a, a store online? And so, um, you know, on the fashion side, it's been, I would say it's been relatively conservative um, in the way that, you know, they're really simple garments anybody can wear, um, nothing really flashy or anything. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to, to build that company. Um, and then on the innovation side, um, like I said earlier, um, I really love the opportunity to uh, build a company or a brand using community. I think, you know, community is the, is the future of successful companies and organizations. If you can kind of rally your stakeholders to your mission and to your vision, uh, there's so much more that you can create kind of like together is better. Uh, so, yeah, that would be kind of a couple of points couple of points there and yes I'm an activist and a feminist but hopefully I'm not you know too woke uh, I just really believe it's a it's a huge opportunity um, if women can you know better participate in the economy there's just so much upside so I think it's a bit economic and it's a bit social and I think you know combined it's a, it's going to be a really powerful powerful engine for for growth 
I love that. I really love that. Uh, yeah, let's dive into the 51. Um, you mentioned you're, it's an organization helping future fit uh, women-led organizations. Um, I'm sure you interact with a bunch of women entrepreneurs. Uh, maybe what would be a key piece of advice that uh, you've learned throughout your journey that you would give to maybe some of the women entrepreneur and listeners uh, listening to our interview right now? Yeah, that's a big question because there's so much advice. Um, and it's not that, you know, I would I would be wise or anything, but it's more just like, what are all those lessons learned, right? Um, but I think... Um, I think probably the biggest piece of advice I would offer is don't always be so worried about what people think of you and what you're doing. Really try to find your North star, like your direction and, and stick with it and surround yourself with people that can, can help you make that happen. But I think, you know, for so many of us, and I think entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter, you know, if I'm a woman or not, um, I think there's a bit of a, there's fear, there's trepidation, there's the unknown. Um, you know, I think, uh, if you put yourself out there, you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a target for advice or feedback, um, for, you know, thoughts around, well, you'll never be able to do that. Uh, and so I think just really find your fortitude um, before you do it and and really surround yourself with a, an amazing community that can be that can be champions for you so yeah okay and just out of curiosity maybe just me just being very <laughs> creative minded but is there any symbolic meaning behind the 51 or the name yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly to... yeah uh the 51 means that women are 51 percent of the population and so um, that's kind of like globally women make up 51% of the population. And, you know, at the beginning of the 51, we would communicate that and people would be like, what? I didn't know that. And so we purposely took that name because, uh, we wanted women to be looked at not as this minority group, right? Um, this small insignificant, you know, segment of the population that was like, oh, you know, there's those women over there doing their thing and that's not really important. We really wanted to say, look, if we fully participate in creating social impact or economic value, like there's 50% of the population um, can contribute, you know, would be, have the opportunity to contribute. So we really wanted to be seen as a, as a material force in that. So yeah, that's where the name came from. Well, that's awesome. I, I love that. I always love um, symbolic meanings behind names. And yeah, I really love that. Uh, 51 I actually never knew that either. So that's good I know, to know, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> and it was like, we were like Googling it. We're like, really? Are we? And it's like, yeah, you know, on a global basis, we're 51% of the population. So that's awesome. Yeah. One thing uh, you mentioned also about the organization is that you guys invest in future uh, fit organizations. Um, maybe you could dive into some of uh, some industries or examples of uh, innovative companies that, that you've engaged with at the 51. Um, I'd yeah. love to get your insight there. Yeah. Um, our... When we first launched the 51, uh, we just kind of like worked as a community and we would do different types of investing. And sometimes we would do it together. Um, 
It was really organic and grassroots. And then we raised our first fund, Fund One. Uh, fund One is set up to be a sector agnostic fund. So we're, we're not investing in a specific sector with that fund, but we're definitely watching where women are innovating um, and kind of following their lead. Um, and so some examples would be um, fintech, so financial technology. Um, we have invested in a marketplace company. Um, we're actually investing in another marketplace company uh, here very shortly. We'll be announcing that. So again, it's this idea that, you know, can you build a community that can be leveraged for commercialization, both for the community itself and for those that they're, they're providing value to their customers. Um, you know, we've invested in some, some health tech, um, and we think that's a really interesting area for women. Um, you know, I don't know if some of your your readers or your viewers have heard of a book called Invisible Women. Uh, and it's a book that really talks about how largely, you know, the world hasn't been designed by women for women. And so when we look at healthcare, for example, and we look at our participation in healthcare, um, you know, we're largely, you know, participating in an ecosystem or a framework that wasn't designed for us. Um, you know, simple things like, you know, we weren't allowed to participate in clinical trials, I don't think until the 90s. Um, so, you know, you know, drugs were going through clinical trials, they were going to market, but women were not allowed to participate. And that's because our bodies were too complicated. Um, and so, you know, we look at healthcare uh, being, you know, a really amazing sector because if we could, you know, see what women would innovate for themselves and for their own health, what would be possible. So we've invested in that. Um, we've invested in uh, other product companies. Um, so they could be considered e-commerce or direct-to-consumer companies. So again, um, you know, uh, women designing products that they want, but they can't find. Um, and lo and behold, you know, many other women want those products too. So, uh, fund one has been really agnostic. Um, one of the, the sectors that we've become really excited about is, uh, is food and ag tech. Uh, so food technology and agriculture technology. And so, uh, we announced, uh, that we're raising a food and ag tech fund. Uh, we announced that last year. And so we're raising that fund right now. Um, and again, you know, what's possible uh, if you look at innovation in that sector and, you know, the innovation is so needed, right? Um, if we're, a, if, you know, if we're supposed to be, you know, a country or a globe that's supposed to feed everyone that's on the planet, we really need to produce our food more efficiently uh, in a more sustainable fashion. And so food and egg tech is a sector that we're, we're really excited about. Yeah, it sounds like there's many industries that are on the rise, ready for innovation. And I love that it's uh, women leading the force, at least the organization you're a part of is challenging yeah. that. So uh, I love to see diversity, diverse people uh, taking control of the future. So that's uh, really awesome to hear. Um, another question I did want to ask you, though, is about entrepreneurship in general. We know that uh, it's not always roses and sunshine all the time. There's always going to be some challenges, some uh, some uh, <laughs> resilience needed, definitely. So is there any experiences in your journey that's really top of mind, challenge, barrier, failure that's really brought you to your success? Yeah, I was thinking about that question earlier. Um, yeah. Lessons learned. 
Um, I would say, um, I've really been an entrepreneur that's, uh, that's always been focused on what's possible. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if we could do this? What could happen if this could be possible? So I've always been very mission, I mean, mission oriented or vision oriented. Um, I think, you know, the biggest lesson I've learned over the years of being an entrepreneur is how does that translate into a sustainable or a high growth business model? And so, you know, what are the levers of value that your company has and how might it commercialize itself in the marketplace? So I don't know if that makes sense, but I think I can be so captivated by what's possible and I can see it and I can feel it. And I'm like, it will happen. Um, this, you know, a company like this will exist at some point in the future. We have an opportunity to do it, whoever that, that team is. Um, but I think, um, I think really nailing the business model is super, super important. And so again, what are the levers for that business model? What will the market pay for your product or your service? Um, how, you know, is that business model, you know, high growth, you know, venture scale business model, or is it something that would be, you know, maybe more, um, not high growth, right? But it could be an awesome business. I mean, every business doesn't have to be a venture-backed business. In fact, very few companies are venture-backed. Um, so I would say, um, I, I would say that would be the biggest piece of advice is really making sure that your vision and your mission that you can see and it's so clear for you as an entrepreneur um, and you are so determined that it must exist and that you can do it and that you could win that you really then do the work to go, okay, well, what is the business model behind all of this? And, um, and really make sure that uh, it's a business model that, you know, can thrive for the long term. So pricing, product, product marketing, you know, who's your customer? What will they pay for it? Um, how scalable is it? How can you distribute it? Um, is there intellectual property in that company which can make it more valuable? Uh, so yeah, that, that's probably my biggest lesson because I'm, I'm, I'm one to go, ah, like, let's go do that. That would be amazing. That would be an amazing company. Um, so I can get a bit distracted. Um, and that hard work, uh, is really necessary if you're going to be successful. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely as an entrepreneur, it's hard not to have that shiny object syndrome. It's like, Oh, I want to do that. Oh, that cool. Oh, how about I that? Know, I know. So I know. <laughs> Another idea, right? So yeah. <laughs> always no shortage of ideas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned all these golden nuggets. I, I'm really happy that you shared that with the listeners. Cause I'm sure there's some that are looking to start their first business or within their first business right now. Um, obviously you've probably had some resources along the way to get all this expertise. Has there been any resource or, uh, even mentor that's helped you, um, get to this point today? You know, I think it's been so many people along the way. And I think, you know, it's a bit of the curse of being an entrepreneur. Like you're saying, you, there's so many ideas, right? So you need to get those ideas validated. And those ideas might be very different in nature. So then you need to seek out very different advice um, from different people about those ideas and, and the possibility. So, um, and, you know, I'm older, right? So 
I'll be 55 this year. And so if you think about the number of ideas or businesses that I've been involved with, the number of people that I've had the opportunity to kind of collaborate with and, and get their advice from uh, has been quite a few, uh, not to mention, you know, living in another part of the world, right? You build a completely different community and network over there, right? And you get so much advice from customers too and the market. So, um, you know, I think uh, there's some people in my pocket that I always call for sure. Um, you know, my friend Alice Reimer, she's definitely one of them. I, you know, she kind of brings me down to earth and she's like, Shell, think about this. Uh, she's, she's got really good temperament. Uh, I have another, I would say, uh, mentor, uh, Mark Miller. He is, um, he runs a company called Valeris and he's a COO of Constellation Software in Canada. And again, you know, another sage individual, right? I can get so excited talking with Mark and, you know, he just kind of slows me down and takes me through the process and, you know, what is it going to take and have you thought it all the way through? So those are just a couple of people that, that I would mention for sure. Mm, that's, that's really awesome. You mentioned that just because there's one quote that always sticks in my head. It's that you're the, some of the five, five closest people in your life or in your circle. So it's really about having that um, surrounding yourself with people that you can really lean on and get advice from and um, just share your ideas with. So uh, it sounds like you have that as well. So exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I have to mention um, my husband too, uh, Brian, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how he's had the patience and fortitude to, to see me go uh, through my entrepreneurial journey. Cause I have so many ideas all the time, but uh, you know, he's been a, a rock and now I've got two adult sons, right? 32 and 25. And, um, you know, collectively as a family, we're, we're doing investing together and, you know, we don't always agree. And I learned so much from them too. So it's, 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 you know, it, you know, your kind of your, your network and your community changes over time, but you're right. There's probably, it's probably a very small circle that, you know, it's the first call or it's the first text uh, to chat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say is Shelly's superpower, unique skill? You're just doing so many yeah. great things. You're pushing a vision forward for the future. The future is female. I really love that. But what's Shelly's specific, unique superpower that's made yeah. you so successful? Yeah. And I, yeah, that's an awkward question. Because it's <laughs> hard, right? To kind of like, uh, but I think, um, you know, what would other people say? I would say, I think they would say, um, I have a tremendous amount of vision. Like I can, I can, like I said before, I can see that things will happen. Um, and I can see what's possible. And I get very excited about that very early stage and trying to synthesize it. Um, so um, ideas, I love idea generation. I love kind of like putting stuff on that idea to make it even a stronger idea. Uh, but I, I love taking stuff to market. Like I love building a brand and I love marketing and I love making something that's super attractive to whoever you're trying to, to activate. So it's kind of like that. I think that stuff I'm really, really good at. But I'm also like, you know, I can get super practical and I can get shit done too. So I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, maybe it's the ADHD in me or something, but uh, I can kind of bounce back and forth. But yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. Just get shit done, have vision, get it done. I, I love that. Um, what's maybe one one uh, common myth within? It could be entrepreneurship. It could be uh, VC land. Uh, where's maybe one common myth about your industry that you wish would be debunked? Yeah, I, th- I think I touched on it before. Um, this whole idea that um, of like chasing money for your company and that's kind of the be all end all. And, you know, nothing's better than bringing in venture capital into your company. I think um, there's very few companies that will raise venture capital. Um, and then there's, you know, then the actual success rate of, of venture backed businesses. I don't know what the success rate is, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And so I think there's the glorification of being an entrepreneur and doing all of that stuff. And of course we read about all of the, you know, the really good stories and we read about, you know, some not great stories too, but I think there's like this glorification of entrepreneurship and raising venture capital. And I think, you know, I don't know if that is for everyone and I don't, and I don't think it should be. Uh, and I think there's some fantastic companies that have never raised venture capital and they are awesome companies and awesome teams and they have great customers. And so I think that would be the one thing about our, our industry that I just go, it's okay. If you're not, if you're not going to be invested by venture capital, that shouldn't be the be all end all. And so, um, it's really held up to be something quite um, prestigious. And I just think, you know, there's so many different ways to build a company. So that would be the one thing I would say. I don't know if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's, yeah. I think with just the rise of maybe popular popular media, like uh, like a Shark Tank or something, it seems like the only way to build a great business is VC-backed. I know, go pitch your company, right? And I just think like, just think, oh my gosh, I have lots of thoughts around the whole pitch process. So, and, um, I know that founders want to go on shows like Dragon's Den, but I just don't know if it's really, not if that's a good idea, to be honest. I think it's probably a great experience, but I wouldn't put all your hope into a process like that. Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get more insight into that, uh, about the pitch process, uh, What's maybe something that you would recommend an entrepreneur uh, looking to uh, scale or grow their business? Yeah, I think first off, um, taking money into your company means it's no longer your company alone. So you're giving up equity in your in your business or you're getting a loan or whatever. Now somebody else is in your business. And so I think that's a really important thing to note. Like you don't just go out and raise money and and then off you go. Like you now have invested stakeholders that are going to go want to know how the business is doing. If it's not doing very well, they're going to be in your kitchen and they're going to be like, we've got to turn this around. So, you know, be really, really careful you know, just think about that carefully about uh, bringing in outside money because it's not all that it's made up, made out to be. And maybe your company doesn't actually need that type of financing. Maybe you need, maybe you need a loan instead of an equity partner. And so, you know, just consider what your options are. 
you know, there's some companies that have built massive companies on customer revenue only. And I always say customer revenue is the best revenue because you've got the market validation that you have a great idea. Um, and, you know, venture can always accelerate that, but maybe that's not necessarily something that you want to do. So I find like the whole pitch thing, again, it's just like over, it's over glorified, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to go pitch, you know, somebody for 10 minutes and I'm going to go raise money and then I'm going to go build my company. And I'm like, it is not like that. Um, and be prepared to get so many no's, like so many, unless, you know, you're probably, you know, a 25 year old white man, um, in Silicon Valley and you've got a great idea and you're really firmly implanted in that community. And, you know, you probably will have a good chance of, of raising money. But I think, you know, for those of us that haven't largely participated in that ecosystem before, I think it's really, really challenging. Um, and we know the statistics, right? And that's why we founded the 51, like 2.2% of all venture funding globally went to women last year. Oh, and you and guys so make up was, the 51%. So that's big discrepancy yeah, exactly, there. Exactly, right. And so, and that's just women, right? So then if we think about the demographics behind that, right? There's white women, black women, indigenous women, right? Women of color, um, women from the LGBTQ community. Like, just think about the statistics that are behind that 2.2%. And we don't even have some of that data because it's not being tracked. And so, um, that's why we exist, um, is to try to, to change, change that number. So, yeah, I don't, that's a long winded answer to your, your very succinct question. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, what, what can somebody do to help, uh, push that vision forward? Like myself, I'd love to see more diversity in funding or diverse, diverse entrepreneurs in the future. How could somebody help shepherd that cause? Yeah, I think, you know, um, become an investor, start activating your capital, right? Um, and there's different ways to do that. So, yes, right now, the 51 um, only um, accepts uh, capital from accredited investors. It's That's very exclusive. We get that and we're going to change it. But there's also platforms like Front Funder uh, here in Canada, which enable you to invest in entrepreneurs and you don't have to be an accredited investor. Um, and so you can go onto their platform. You can see what the entrepreneurs are raising money for. You can invest in the coffee shop that's down your street if you wanted to. So I think, you know, if we, if we want to see the things in the world that we want to see, we need to be part of making them happen. And so it could be through our time, right? So we could be champions supporting an entrepreneur through our time, coaching, mentoring, opening doors, helping them with their company, or it could be through our capital. Um, and so, you know, if we really, you know, we always say at the 51, uh, we're, you know, we're investing in the world that we want to see. And so um, that's what I would say. And invest doesn't mean just your capital. It means your time too. I love that. That's actually the impetus of this podcast, not only just to share awesome stories like yourself, but also put forward diverse entrepreneurs and their stories and, have them get some of that uh, spotlight, if you will. So yeah, I love, absolutely. I love, I love that mission. Um, looking more in our backyard, Calgary. Um, how has maybe Calgary changed from when you first started uh, to today? So much. It's changed so much. I think um, 
uh, I joined my first technology company in 89. Um, and there wasn't that many technology companies, but I think I, I think I kind of stumbled into it because I was young and I was hungry and I wanted to work my ass off and I wanted to learn and, you know, desktop computing was just coming, you know, to be. And so it was a great time to get into technology. Um, just like, you know, we have so many other phases since then that have been great times to get into technology. Uh, but I don't even think Calgary even knew what a technology company was or a software company was at that point in time. So um, there was, you know, I don't know how many software technology companies there would have been in Calgary at that point in time, probably more than I knew, but, um, you know, it was a very, very small community. Um, and, um, because we've just been so dominated by an oil and gas industry, I think, you know, much of the technology that appeared in our city was related to that industry, which made sense. Um, and I think about the company that I was with in the 1990s, you know, uh, a big part of our success, I believe was that we had technology that we could sell to any oil and gas company. And you think about how many oil and gas companies were in downtown Calgary in the 90s. We could literally go building to building, company to company. And we could basically sell to the whole sector in Canada, in that city. Uh, and then we said, okay, well, what's the next market that we want to go after? And I think it was Houston. Uh, I think that was the next market that we went after. And so we went to Houston. And again, it was a bit of a hotbed for that, right? It was like all of the energy companies were there so we could sell to all of them. Um, now I don't know, know where I'm really going with this, but I think, um, Calgary had a tech scene that was largely based on that sector. And now today there's a technology scene, um, that's innovating in kind of any sector you can imagine, right? Like we've got like a bit of a FinTech hub in Calgary now, which is super cool. And, um, you know, health tech, um, uh, you know, University of Calgary and SAIT and Mount Royal have all really stepped up to make sure that, you know, they have an ecosystem that can take, you know, these scientists and their ideas and help them bring to market. So I just, it's a fantastic ecosystem and it's just changed so much. And I don't know if you saw, there was a, an article on beta kit that came out not last week, but the week before. Um, and, you know, last year it was a record breaking year for capital coming into the city for technology record-breaking venture capital year. And so I think the money is coming into the city and the innovation is here. So I think it's a great time to be in Calgary and tech. It's what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, Calgary, exactly. Here, yeah. Right? Not in COVID, <laughs> but it's a great time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is there any, uh, earlier you mentioned you're a big uh, traveler. Is there any where in particular you're looking to uh, maybe get outside of Calgary or uh, maybe once COVID's done? Yeah. Uh, Italy. That is like, that's like the first one on my list. Um, I love the country. Um, and so I'm actually headed there at the end of March. So I'm going to go hiking for a week in, in, in the South of Italy. Well, make sure you drink some uh, fine wine while you add that. I will. So. <laughs> I will. No worries. <laughs> you, don't sure you, to, yeah, you don't have to arm wrestle me on that one. <laughs> I love that. I only have a couple more questions here for you, uh, Shelly. Um, one thing I want to know, I always ask guests is that uh, what's maybe one thing that you're really curious about right now that maybe we haven't touched on in the interview so far? 
Yeah. Um, crypto, or now I guess it's been rebranded to Web3. Um, I don't, I'm not very well versed in all of that. So that's kind of like my next thing that I want to dive into is really try to understand um, what is the opportunity there? Um, again, from a woman's perspective. So, you know, we're not really participating in that crypto space right now. There's some really cool communities that are starting for women in crypto or Web3. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of like my next area of um, curiosity. <laughs> Web3, that's an exciting, uh, exciting technology coming through. So it, it's going to be a fun next uh, 10, 15 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, what's maybe one thing that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard question. I was thinking about it earlier, and it's like, um, maybe what's something that you're proud of that we haven't talked about so far in the interview that you wish um you could share more yeah i think um yeah it's, 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 i don't know i mean i just think like 51 is is like my uh my first love right now i i just think like if there's an opportunity for people to get activated like we have men and women in the community and it's fantastic. And so, you know, I think that's what I'm really proud of right now is what's possible. We're just at the start and, you know, we have a big ambition. Uh, we want to activate 2.5 billion in women led capital by 2030. That is our BHAG. That's what we're going for. Um, and so it's going to take, um, more teammates. It's going to take more capital. It's going to take more entrepreneurship more investors, uh, you know, we have to get really well versed in this opportunity. So, you know, education, confidence, curiosity. So uh, I think that's, that's what I'm really, really excited about right now is just that what that journey is going to be. And we're just, we're just getting on. Mm, I love that. And if somebody wants to help support that vision, where can people connect with you online to talk yeah. more or push that yeah. vision forward? Um, well, go to the 51.com. That's our website. Uh, you can become a financial feminist, uh, for, uh, $51 a year, 51, $51 a year. And it's a really cool community. And we just all kind of hang out and learn all things finance, learn about finance, learn about money. Um, we just had a session, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was about uh, budgeting, different way to look at budgeting, um, like personal budgeting. Uh, we're doing another event this month, and it's about how can women do a better job at negotiating their value um, in the job that they have. Uh, next month, we're going to do crypto and coffee. Um, and so it's a really cool community. And then, you know, yes, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, get in touch with this or if you're an accredited investor uh, and you want to invest, we'd love to hear from you. But I just think follow us on social media, come out to our events, uh, get activated, and uh, everyone is welcome at the 51. 
<laughs> I love that. And I'll put all those great uh, links in the show notes so people can go there and uh, check you guys out. Um, again, I really appreciate your time, Shelly. It's been wonderful talking to you. Uh, I really love the vision and mission like we talked about. And yeah, I just want to support and can't wait to share this uh, interview with my listeners. Yeah, thank you so much, Cheryl. It's great to hang out with you. Absolutely. And I love to end the interview with one question. Uh, it's a leadership podcast. So uh, my last question to you, Shelly, is what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? Uh, being a role model. Like, um, you know, don't ask people to go on a journey with you unless you are willing to do all aspects of that journey. So um, I, I don't look at leadership as hierarchy. I look at leadership as um, as a galvanizing, inspiring um, initiative that you you know that that you can get people to follow you. Um, but it, uh, there's no hierarchy associated with it. So that's what I would say. Hi, I'm Shelly Kuypers, and you're listening to Joe Mumal Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.